Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. If your why doesn't bring tears to your eyes, then it's not big enough. That statement encapsulates Darren Silva's story in the second part of his journey. He was injured from a bully and then was told he would never walk again. He shares his determination and his why to keep going and to relearn how to walk. Stay tuned for his inspiring story. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business by transforming trauma into a treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media that's there, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is a repeat guest, and he is the incredible Darren Sliva. So Darren, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm kind of honored that I'm your repeat guest. (laughs) Yes, and this is repeat because it's part two of your story. I wasn't able to finish the uh, first part of it last time. Yeah, we have, you have such a, a huge, amazing story and time is of the essence. So we just had to come back saying, come back, we'll come back next time. So to get the first part of his story on all of your podcast platforms, you'll under the power of investing in people podcast, you'll have to look up overcoming being bullied with Darren Sliva on March 14th, 2021. And maybe it'll have season two, episode 58. So, Darren, let's yeah. start off where we left off. I had to go back and listen to where I left off just so I could continue the story. It was basically after my last operation. And I had a friend of mine who was uh, doing these walks with me. His name is Sean. He's a fireman. So he had more you know time to do this with me. And anyway, we started out where... I had a huge arena behind where I lived and we were walking in the parking lot. The first time I, I started walking with crutches, I didn't go too far because, you know, it's building up my strength and uh, we were going pretty much every other day. And uh, it's kind of funny when I went down to one crutch, the first time I did it, I went ahead and, and used the crutch. Just, I don't know if it was a security thing for me because of all the other operations I had to use crutches for so long. And so this was pretty quick. And uh, I think it was the next time out, I walked with the crutch halfway. And then it's kind of funny when you're, you know, 42 years old and and you look like a big baby trying to walk again. So I handed him the crutch and I started walking. The cool thing about this is, and, you know, I said before that 
I had some of the best people in my life, some of the best friends. Every time that we went walking, somebody would drive up. Some would walk for a bit. Some would just come and see me. Some would just come give me a hug, talk to me. They're like, it's great to see you upright. But in a much faster time of healing than before, we slowly but surely would do one lap, two laps, three laps. We got up to a point really quick where we were walking on a regular basis of about three miles. Mm. And just keep getting better and stronger. We're making faster time. And we're not talking a very long amount of time because this was, I want to say sometime in May. And June, the whole goal was, I know this sounds goofy, but I had my 25-year high school reunion that, that same summer. And my goal was to go there walking without help. And I, I did it. I got in there and stuff, walked in. And, of course, everyone's like, hey, you're doing great. The last time that Sean and I walked, and I have to tell you something about Sean, because if you saw us walking, you'd be like, what is that guy wearing? So Sean's a fireman, and he would put a weighted vest on and then an elevation mask. He mm-hmm. kind of looked like a terrorist. I was a really big guy myself, and then this little terrorist-looking-like character walking next to me. Was kind so of you were his bodyguard. I think he was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I might look big and scary, but... You know, he was my bodyguard. So, but the last time we went out walking, we did six miles and now we walked. I realized when we put the amount of time down that we did it, some people don't even go that fast running. So we walked six miles in an hour and 40 minutes. Nice. And I just have to interrupt right here and say for our listeners, you really have to go back and listen to his first part of the story because he was told he couldn't walk again. So to walk six miles now at this stage, wow, 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 wow. Huge accomplishment. Yeah. So please continue to keep telling us your story. So pretty much after that, and, and this, the eighth operation was my last operation. And the eight years is coming April 30th. And I keep my fingers crossed and praying that I never have to go through it again. Because I'll be flat out honest with you, it's pure hell. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult. And this thing, people have different levels of pain. I mean, mine's a constant 24-7, 365. I just deal with it. I'm not one to take pain meds. Uh, That's not my thing because it doesn't take care of the problem. It just covers up the symptoms, which means they're still there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, I work out all the time to keep my body strong, keep my legs strong and stuff like that. But it's kind of funny tying the story into where I'm going with this and stuff. And I think it's over the last eight years, with all that I've been through, this being the last operation, it was hard. It just really made me you know, think, don't take things for granted. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. And uh, it's one of the things that when I got into coaching, even before I got certified, I was helping people. I learned a long time ago, you got to develop your why. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a strong enough why. If your why is not strong enough, it doesn't bring you to tears. That's not strong enough which means you'll you'll have all sorts of excuses why you're not doing the things that you want to be doing. And uh, mine's pretty simple. Some people come up with these elaborate things, and that's fine. That's totally up to them. But mine is, because of you, I didn't give up. Hmm. Now, a lot of people said that to me. There's, There's people that... Apparently, I've touched their lives and didn't realize it. I have classmates. I had one that recently... I think it's when I posted the um, anniversary date of the original injury that he said, because of you, 
I kept going. It's kind of touching. See, if you're wise enough, doesn't bring a tear to your eye. It's not strong enough. Yeah. So that's, you know, when I learned about having a why you do things and what motivates you to get up in the morning, what motivates you to, to do the things you're doing, you know, that's your why. Mm-hmm. If it's one of these things where I just want to lose weight, that's not strong enough because that's not hard to do. Right. You have to have a strong why. And so that's something that I've incorporated into this being a coach. I know at the end of the first podcast, I was talking about, I got certified rather quickly mm-hmm. because when I see something that I want, I go get it. I don't, you know, dilly dally around and stuff. I have an attitude of by all means necessary to get something done. Mm-hmm. And so I became a certified master life coach in five days. That's four certifications, <laughs> 32 hours worth in five days, which if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. But I think with the avenue that I was going with talking to people and helping them out, I'm like, I, I should probably get certified. So it makes my you know credibility even better mm-hmm. because a lot of people look into, you know, well, do you have a certification for that? And we'll know. <laughs> but now I do. And it's great. And Kind of like I said in the first part, with <laughs> this past year being crazy and just so much unknown and so many just crazy things, people need life coaches. I was, was listening to, it was kind of a networking Zoom thing. It was international. And they said, they themselves said that people are going to need life coaches. They're going to need help getting through, overcoming a lot of the obstacles that hit them last year, how to you know deal with things. And... I firmly believe that we're going to be needed mm-hmm. big time because this craziness isn't over yet. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I'm doing one-on-ones. I'm looking to, you know, do more group coaching and stuff because that's a little bit more fun because I don't know. Do you do coaching at all with anybody? Oh yeah. I'm, I am a certified fearless living coach and trainer and I have one-on-one clients and I have group as coaching as well. And I, I do trainings. I'll go in and do a training for, for a company or the military. Oh, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. So, so groups are fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody obviously is the same. When you're dealing with a group, there might be people that are having issues. They're not bringing forward because they're not comfortable doing, but they see and hear other people yeah. going through the same situation and they're like, oh, hey, I can relate. So it's kind of a win-win situation that you have a group of people. Some are a little bit more outgoing than others. So they'll share more than what others do. But these people are sharing the experiences and things that they're going through that other people are like, oh, I didn't even bring that up. <laughs> well, and truthfully, that's part of the reason I started the podcast. My why was to really highlight that everyone has an obstacle that they've overcome Mm-hmm. whether they see it that they've overcome it or they want to acknowledge it, but then that how that overcoming that obstacles and the lessons they learned really propel them to the next step in life. So by you sharing your story about all the things that you went through, again, I won't give all the secrets away. You have to go back and listen, <laughs> but all the things that you went through, you dug deep and found so much passion so much determination, and really, now you've turned it into your purpose. I think the biggest thing with all that I've been through and the amount of pain and suffering, I mean, 
pain's a, an everyday thing for me. It's a part of life. It adds character. That's what I tell everybody. I have a great attitude towards life. One of the more positive people. Uh, granted, I'm human. I do get down every now and then, but I do everything I can to be up, bring other people up. Because you hear about people that these kids that get bullied now and so many kids end up, you know, committing suicide. And it's like, that's not an option. I mean, you get one right. shot of life. You got to make the best of what you got. And if you're getting bullied, tell someone, talk about it, take care of the problem. Because people see me and they go, you were bullied as a kid. And I was like, well, I was much smaller than I am now. But what's crazy is there are so many people out in the world that have been bullied that you never hear anything about. They don't talk about it. I think talking about it actually help, helps you heal. For sure. Absolutely. I was bullied and then I became a bully. And yeah, so because hurt people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't, but a lot of times they do. That's why bullies become bullies in the first place is because they're deep down there going through something, some sort of pain that they're not willing to talk about. So they act it out. Right. They rather than talk about it. When I was going through my own transformation of healing and going, peeling away the layers of the onion that we are, that I am. And I learned that if uh, hurt people, I wonder if empowered people empower people. And that's very true. I see it day in and day out. And you're a perfect example of that. So kudos to you for doing the work. We as humans, it's natural for us to be negative people, negative creatures. You know, all you have to do to change that is practice every day of being positive. You train yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a daily thing because it's so easy to not give an effort and just be like, oh, I'm not a woe is me kind of guy. But, you know, I see people and it's like, yeah, I do everything in my power to you know, cheer them up, make them smile, make them laugh. I'm pretty good at it. Sometimes they just look at me and they're like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of crazy, kind of like what I was saying in the first one. I'm 50 years old and... Someone that's in their 20s, it's going to be hard for them to be a life coach because they haven't really experienced life. And you just got to be, I think, in my opinion, you got to be able to relate to people, not afraid to speak out to people, which I'm not. I, I talk to strangers all the time. I remember when I was a kid, my parents said, and I was young, they said, don't talk to strangers. We're at some festival thing downtown. And I was just talking to some God, now I was a kid. I was talking to some guy. My mom's like, who's your friend? I'm like, I don't know. She said, don't talk to strangers. I go, well, how am I going to meet people? How am I going to make friends? So I didn't really listen to them on that one because I always talk to people, especially in the last year with all the lockdowns and people just being afraid of people. Every time I'd get out, I talk to whoever I saw because you always hear people about three foot, the three foot rule. If they're within three feet, you talk to them. I have a 20-foot rule. If I see them, I'm talking to them. And especially for the last year with everybody being you know, shut in, closed out. Six feet apart. Six feet <laughs> apart. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm talking to people. My wife is like, I kind of wore off on her because I'm obviously an uh, extrovert. She's kind of the opposite. But anymore, now she's you know speaking out to people and strangers and stuff. So I know I'm wearing off on her. But yeah, I've always been one to just be outgoing and go talk to whoever. In fact, well, you're in the group that I'm in. Are you wondering how I got the nickname Huggy D? <laughs> yeah, 
That would be a good, that would be a good explanation. Kathy gave me that nickname and it was because I was, I, <laughs> this was years ago that I was, you know, I'd be out just talking to people and stuff. And sometimes I'd overhear people talking and kind of just jump in just to get a conversation going. I'm at a gas station and this, I always talk to the person who pulls up and the next one over and I started talking to this guy and I said, well, how you doing? And he proceeded to tell me just everything. I mean, he's like, I'm going through a divorce and this and that and I'm losing everything and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I, he, he told me a lot more than I was expecting. And so my um, reaction was, well, do you need a hug? And I was being dead serious. And he's like, yeah, I'll take a hug. Mm. And I'm like, well, this is great. Here I had an effect on this guy. And he's telling me everything he's going through. And there's another time I was in a store and it's kind of funny. I was over hearing this woman talk to her son. They were looking at dog leashes and this gal had this red, like big red sweater on. And she goes, get the blue one. She goes, we don't like red. And I go, and now, of course, I had to say something. I'm like, oh, excuse me, I don't mean to be listening, but you you have this really big red sweater on, and I'm just curious as to why you don't like the color red. She proceeded to tell me that the sweater was her mom's, and her mom just passed away. Mm-hmm. And and she got emotional, and I was like, geez, I got to quit talking to people. because <laughs> You don't expect them to you know, tell you everything. Maybe I'm just one of these guys that people are comfortable talking to. Perfect strangers. And you well, know, I felt, Darren, yeah. I'm going to yeah. say, maybe that's, you should expect it. I am one of those people that since I was a little girl, people would tell me their secrets. People would tell me if I said, hi, how you doing? They really told me how they're doing. If I was at the grocery store and like, where's the eggs? They told me how they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just looking for the eggs and they're telling me how they're doing. Oh, yes. You just might be one of those people. So when you look at it as a gift mm-hmm. and expect it, you're more prepared to be that person. And it took me years to figure that out. So I'm going to challenge you to expect that they're going to, if you ask, they're going to tell you. Well, it's kind of funny going along those same lines. I was on, it was another networking Zoom last week and Again, they were saying with everything going on in the world, people are going to need life coaches. And I put it out there. I'm a you know certified master life coach. You know, I do this. And one person connected with me, ended up you know exchanging information. We talked after that Zoom. In fact, we did a, a like an hour long phone call just to see if I'd actually be able to help her out. And we weren't face to face. We didn't do a Zoom. It was a phone call. She's out in New York. Of course, I'm here in Nebraska. And she told me. I think her whole life story, mm-hmm. what she's struggling with and stuff. And a lot of these intro calls I do with people, I just want to get to know them. I ask them a bunch of questions. I want to see if I'm a, actually able to help them. And, you know, with her, I'm like, I, I believe I can help you out. And so I have a new client that's in New York, you know, state. So nice. it's just having a conversation with people. A lot of people... A lot of people just want to talk. They need someone to talk to. Yeah. So they want to be heard, understood, mm-hmm. feel like they belong. They want to be connected and they want to be loved. I mean, yeah. at the core, that's our all of our basic needs, right? Yeah. So the hierarchy of needs. So, of course, especially now when 
when people were isolated, quote unquote, isolated, solitude, whatever you want to call it. And then they were alone. Mm-hmm. They were not with another human being in the household. That took a toll on people. I mean, you say that you hug. I am a hugger. Like I hug a lot of people. And to go from hugging a lot of people one day and literally no hugs for two months, that's crazy. <laughs> it was so hard. I, and I'm still, I'm like, this is so different than before in 2019, how I was living. It'll be interesting, fascinating, interesting. I use that word a lot, interesting. So it'll be fascinating to see what transpires going forward. Like you said, the world needs coaches right now because the world is hurting even more than what it was before. Hugging people is not against the law. <laughs> so I haven't stopped. <laughs> well, I now ask. <laughs> well, I mean, I ask, of course, but I mean, if it's people that haven't seen it in a while and stuff like that, I'm, I'm going in for the hug and they're like, woohoo. <laughs> no, I have had a lot of people say no because of they're in the years or they're in that mindset that this virus is deadly. And it is. I mean, I lost my brother to it. So... I get it. I get it. But I. We need the human touch, though, is what we need. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us whole. Without that, I mean, everybody suffers. We need that to survive. You know, there's a certain amount of hugs. I can't remember what the number is, but a certain amount of hugs you need a day to keep you going. The more you get, the, the better. It's And I'm not an expert in what happens, but it's an energy transfer. Yes. That's what I've always learned. Yes, definitely. And yes. we need it. I mean, there's ways to hug and there's, you know, wrong ways to hug. And we've always learned to do a heart-to-heart hug. That's the most positive. And I wish we were in person. I'd teach you what how that works. <laughs> but the best way, honestly, there's a, it's, I know it's going to sound weird, but if you ever dealt with anything with kinesiology, if you hug somebody, if you your left arm up, this one down, and you go heart to heart, there's a stronger bond there. There's a stronger energy transfer between two people. If you go this way, it's still a hug, but you don't have that strong connection. Mm. Thank you for sharing that about the hugs and how to transfer energy and bonds from the left side. And I'm just going to kind of reroute us a little bit and take us back to You're doing all these amazing things with your coaching and your rebuilding of yourself. What is it that you also do? What other business do you have? What is your other quote unquote J-O-B, if you will? I never use the word J-O-B because I'm not employed. (laughs) I own my own stuff. Job stands for just over broke, firm believer in that. I work with a company called United Financial Freedom. We are a company that has an award-winning debt elimination program, basically teaches people to can, you know, still make the same payment, you know, if you have debt, house, car, whatever it is. And when you buy a house, the bank uses an algorithm in their favor. That's why you pay a ton in interest. Mm-hmm. The program that we have is that, you know, there's a fee depending upon how much debt you have, depends upon your fee. But there's an algorithm that's in your favor. So you're not paying a ton of interest. And what we actually teach people to do is take what you're paying, pay off whatever your debt is, seven, 10 years or however much debt you have, but then continue making those same payments towards investing. You're making it's debt to wealth. Mm -hmm. So say you got a 30-year house loan, 
we show you the program, you pay it off in seven years, but you continue to make those same payments for the next 22 years. And you're talking about having quite a bit of money, mm-hmm. the wealth that people are, are, in my opinion, taught how to do things wrong <laughs> from the get-go. Agreed. You know, how to be in debt. Yeah. And it's just wrong. So yeah, it's a debt elimination program that it just helps people eliminate their debt much faster without, you know, the stress of, oh my God, I got a 30 year loan here. <laughs> I'm going to be broke when I'm done with it, but I'll have a house. Yeah. It's just one of those things uh, that we do. It's when my friend Mike introduced it to me and stuff, he said, well, you can be a trainer, you can be you know, do sales, you can be management. So I'll just do all of it and just learn it from there. <laughs> but that's the kind of person I am. I just, I don't, if I'm going to do something, I put, I give it my all. That's awesome. And yeah. So, I mean, I've, been an entrepreneur i've had jobs <laughs> i'm i'm not a good employee because having been an entrepreneur and then you like go back to a job it, it's torture because can i use the bathroom <laughs> i'm like I, I just go so tell us about that what was the defining moment to get you to shift from employee to self-employed to business owner entrepreneur when you're working from home, you've got to work. You've got to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's not you just sit around and wait for a paycheck because that won't happen. But having the uh, flexibility in your schedule, if my mom needs something and she's in memory care and stuff, so if I need to go up there, take time and stuff, I can. I don't have to ask for time off. Just being more flexible, I don't have to start right at 8 a.m. If I want to start at 10 a.m. and work till whatever, if I want to work later in the evening, I can. My schedule is very flexible. Granted, some days are really busy. I just, it, it's a mindset. And I like that mindset because you, what you make is is based on what you do. Mm-hmm. So what did you start? Where were you before you became an entrepreneur? And then you found this uh, business and then you became an entrepreneur. Well, <laughs> That might be part three. I had a job for a long time. I, I, I did network marketing for a long time and people poo-poo the whole idea, but it was great. Taught me a lot of things about myself and that things like that do take work. I got, I sold insurance for a while and found all the wrong companies to work for. Selling insurance is not easy. I mean, some people that like anything, some people are just good. Mm-hmm. Some people struggle. That didn't work. I got to find something that's going to work for me. You just kind of like making a goal the goals never end you just keep doing better for yourself my wife's like well why don't you sell cars never thought about it and i loved it i did i love the guys i worked with i love meeting new people wasn't a fan of the hours but the one reason i got out of it was because of all the stuff i've been through the parking lot was gravel <laughs> mm. And wintertime in, in the Midwest, we get snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous to be on, especially yeah. if you've been through as many operations as I have. And I just said, got to a point, and I said, this is not going to work for me. Right. So I got back into doing insurance. And then my friend Mike hit me up with a question because he's done insurance forever. And my wife and I got this house. He's like, hey, if I could show you how to eliminate all your debt in you know as little as one half the amount of time, one, one third to one half the amount of time, would you take a look? I'm like, Mike, that's not insurance. What are you doing? I was intrigued. And uh, what was funny is that Georgia was kind of tends to be closed off to this stuff. And when Mike gave us a demonstration and she has a background in banking, it totally made sense to her. And she's like, well, we could do this as a business. <laughs> I was like, 
who are you? <laughs> she, you started drink, she started drinking the uh, entrepreneur Kool-Aid, so to speak. Something. And awesome. so I'm like, all right, I'm on board. So, you know, I got started with that. And it was kind of cool when you when I started with that, I was at like rank 690 in the company. And I went into, you know, recruiting. I went, you know, recruit mode. I went into, you know, doing things and building stuff like that. And, you know, I moved up quick in the company in 30 days. I moved up, I believe, to like 26. With all the things that I ever did with insurance, with network marketing, I was a huge recruiter just because I can connect to people. I can relate to people. Maybe it's my voice because a lot of these people had never met me. Maybe I just have a relaxing voice and they, you know, just want to talk to me. I don't know. But, you know, I'm still doing that. And I believe in multiple sources of income. You can't just rely on one thing, especially when you're an entrepreneur. So if you do multiple things, you make multiple, you know, sources of income. You can't do that in a job. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Because they own you for like at least 40 hours a week, if not more. Agreed. Totally agree. You're like eight to five and it's like, I can't do eight to five. Sometimes I'm, I'm leaving the gym at eight, so I'm not going to be out of job at eight. <laughs> exactly. It is a mindset. You know, I know a lot of people that are entrepreneurs that you know work from home doing other things and stuff. And, you know, I think of some of my friends that have been doing it a long time. And I mean, they are hardworking. They're very disciplined, but it's a different mindset than having a job. So what piece of advice would you give the, the listener who's thinking they're in a, a kind of a transitional spot. So maybe they're getting out of the military and they're going back to civilian life, or maybe they're in a job that they're really not happy in and they're not finding any meaning or purpose in it. What advice would you give them? Do your due diligence and really figure out what you want to do. It kind of goes along with, you know, developing your why. That will help. I hear it all the time. A lot of people, be it military or whoever, because you know we're not too far from Air Force Base here. But when people are coming to the end of their military careers or people have been in a job forever, they're like, "I hate my job." A friend of mine recently, he's been in the medical field forever. He's like, "I don't want to do it anymore." And we're the same age, and I'm like, "Well, what is it that really? What is it that you really want to do? What is it that you know makes you happy? What is it that gets you excited? Well, these are the things you really got to think about because." I mean, he's in a great job now, pays rather well. But a lot of times I tell people, if you're looking to do something and you have a good steady income right now, do it on a part-time basis. Get your feet wet, learn what you're doing. Granted, you're going to be working a lot of hours just to educate yourself on what you want to do while still working a full-time job. And then once your you know, part-time thing, your income with that overcomes your full-time job, mm-hmm. then it's probably a good time to transition and let go of the job and then give it your all with what you've been doing. It's probably the best mm-hmm. advice I can give people because a lot of times, and I, there's a lot of things I wouldn't, I would tell people not to do. You know, you know, you get excited about something you've seen that you want to do and you have a full-time job, don't quit your job because <laughs> if this goes south, right, it doesn't right. work like the way you want it to. Because it's outside your realm of how things work, you're going to be, you know, not have any money. And then you're going to be like looking for a job and then you get, you know, scattered, you get worried and stressed and it's just a bad combo. So if you have a job, stick with it, find something, you know, educate yourself on what exactly you want to do it part time until that over that income 
overtakes your full-time income, then that's when you can think about, you know, I'm just going to do this and just let the job world go. So that's my advice. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, a lot of times you got to make mistakes to learn from it. You, the bigger mistakes you make, the, the more you're going to learn not to do that. So, I mean, we can give advice to people all, all day long, but in order for them to learn, they've got to make mistakes. I totally agree. And, you know, I don't even call them mistakes. I call them learning opportunities. And, you know, some people are like, well, you have to fail fast or fail safely. And it's like, again, I don't even call it failure. It's literally learning opportunities because you have no idea. You have no idea what you want to do. I'm working with a client right now who's that way. You know, he's like, I don't know what I want. I'm like, great. That means we get to create it. And he was like, create? I'm like, yeah. How cool is that? Like we get to create what's next. And, you know, speaking about your why, sometimes we don't know what our why is. And so that's why it's important, you know, for our listeners to reach out to someone like Darren or myself to really, you know, sit down and talk with a a coach and say, you know, this is what I think I want to do, but this is what I'm doing. And because sometimes your why is in the things that you say that you don't even realize you're saying. Very true. And so no. that's why it's great to have a third or a second person that is non-biased to really listen to you talk because mm-hmm. we'll find the pattern in what you're saying. One thing I was going to say about the word failure, failure is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people look at, oh, I failed. No, you just learned a way that it didn't work. You want to try something, you know, a different way or do something a different way. I do my best not to use the word try because it's a negative, you know, either do it. <laughs> so failure is not the negative, but try is a negative. Okay. Try is a negative because, you know, people, for instance, people would say, well, I tried to quit smoking, which means they had no effort. They tried it. Either do it or you don't. There is no try, like Yoda said. But the word failure, you know, it's just, it was a guy that made the light bulb. Was it Thomas Edison? Mm-hmm. And how many times did it take him to make it correct? Mm-hmm. He didn't look at that as, you know, well, this way didn't work. There's got to be a better way. Well, this way didn't work. Well, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, in essence, it's failing that one way. It's failing that way. But it took him, I don't know, I can't remember. It's like a thousand different ways to make it work. And he finally figured it out. You know, it's, you're not failing. You're just figuring out that's not the way to get it done. Right. Yeah, with like, so the book uh, Mindset, I think it's Carol Dweck. She's amazing. That book is amazing. It really talks about how the fixed mindset, they do think of failure as a negative and anything that they've done. So it comes from a teacher space. So when you're in school and you, you know, get a bad grade, then you have, you are a failure. Not that you have failed. It's dives, your, their brain dives into, I'm a failure. Uh-huh. So the growth mindset is, I will study more. I will learn more about this rather than the opposite. So you're right. Yeah. That's what Thomas Edison did. He was like, I will learn more about what didn't work so I can improve it. Uh-huh. And that's really what, you know, all of us coaches and, you know, positive impacts in the world. That's what how we are looking at life is what am I going through and is not working and how can I improve it? Sometimes you just have to ask for help. That's where we come in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's another book I'm reading too. It's called, it's not how it's who. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you might not need know the details when you're working on it by yourself. 
And that's why it's important to reach out to another person, again, like a, a coach who can, you know, guide you to the path of where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So Darren, as we wrap up here, so tell us what, I'm not sure if I asked you this question on the first one, but that's okay because time has passed and things change. So tell us what would be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I kind of laugh at that because of my personality, but I, I'm like, he was a large, scary, bald guy that just made everybody laugh. Yeah, I really haven't given that much thought, but I just, I know I make an impact on people, especially when I stand up. <laughs> but And for those of you, for those of our listeners who aren't watching the video or even know you in person, tell us how tall you are. I am six foot 10. It's funny. I text that to people. And I was like, is that a typo? No, that's 6'10". <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're almost seven feet tall. Yes. <laughs> I stick out a crowd. <laughs> and how tall is your wife? 5'6". Got it. Nice. So you want to be remembered for a tall, bald guy who made you laugh. You know, a lot of people, when they first see me, they're intimidated. And until they see me smile until they hear me talk or, you know, I get them laughing. It's kind of funny. People are, you know, they look at someone, not that they're judging, but they see, you know, how you are and how you look. They're like, oh, my God, that guy's unapproachable. When, in fact, it's just the opposite. You know, this is just our exterior. It's what we have inside that makes us who we are. We can't change, you know, that we're almost seven feet tall and you know, this big or how we look and stuff. Like, that doesn't matter. That's all exterior. It's what you have in here. Right. That's so true. So true. It is. It's all what we have in our heart. So where can people connect with you if they want to, you know, find out more about your services or, you know, have an intro call with you? Where can they find you? I, again, don't have a website, but I have a new email address and I'm just going to throw it out there for everybody. And uh, it's all one word. Finding your why coaching at gmail.com. Awesome. So finding your why coaching at gmail.com. And are you on social media at all? You know, I'm on of course, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, but I don't do much on it. <laughs> and what is it under on all those platforms? Holy smokes. Well, my, it's under my name for LinkedIn, Darren Sliva. If you're looking at me on Facebook, it's Darren Huggy D Sliva. That's S-L-I-V-A. Instagram, I think it's just my you know first and last name. Awesome. I, I got to look more, I guess. I don't really pay much attention to it. <laughs> but I mean, if I see people in there, you know, hitting me up and stuff, obviously I'll respond. Great. So, you know, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you, not just in one. Again, you'll have to go back and hear the first Overcoming Being Bullied Season 2, Episode 58 on March 14th. You'll have to listen to the first half first part of his story. And uh, so it's just been an honor to have you on the second part. So thank you for being here, Darren. Well, thank you for having me. It's been quite the experience for me and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Great. And I always love to leave with this last question. And again, we may have asked it the first time, but it's been a while. So things change. So tell us what phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now? Winners never quit. Quitters never win. That's a great one. And you are a perfect example, a winner, because look at all the things you've done. So awesome. 
Thank you. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, because I know you did, and you may even have taken some notes, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And that would really help us out. Until next time. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.